I always love trying to come up with analogies to help me understand things better. Yes, we know. (laughs) (laughs) If you think about it, is this idea that there is a natural tendency, say you have two different friends and you become very close with both of those friends, there is a tendency to want to bring those two friends together so that you can all hang out together, so that you can maximize your time, that you get to see them both. Like that's a pretty natural thing and a fairly common thing. A lot of times that's how we meet other friends is because of mutual friends, right? So like there is something very, I don't know, I guess natural and fundamental and and essential and universal to that sort of behavior. But when it comes to friends, we tend to not force quite as many expectations on that as we do on to like, we need to date the same person. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about triads and throuples and quads. Oh my, triads and couples and throuples and... It's really hard to say that, actually. Triads that's, and throuples and quads. That's a weird... Oh a very weird version of Wizard of Oz if we just extrapolate that whole storyline out. <laughs> well, there then they would be in a quad, right? Beforehand, Obviously. it would have been a triad between the three the three gentlemen, and then... <laughs> and now they're a quad with Dorothy. Dorothy yeah, yeah, Dorothy adds a quad. <laughs> okay. I mean, I do like this this quest that she's on, just slowly adding people to her polycule. <laughs> that is pretty fun, yeah. There you go. Great. So, three-person relationships or triads can be a hotly debated topic. The media loves to talk about them. They're also negatively associated with things like unicorn hunting. And many people have had bad experiences with them, but also a lot of people love them and want them. So all that said, they can be awesome, exciting, fulfilling relationships, as well as having some unique challenges. So in this episode, we're going to talk about some of the most common areas of conflict in relationships in general, and how they apply specifically to three or more person relationships, as well as some extra kind of logistical challenges that can come up for triads that might not be present in just two person dyads. So even if you aren't in a triad and don't intend to be, you may still find some of the communication tips to be relevant to other group situations. So let's get to it. So you see, you wrote out relevant in other group situations, such as at work or with friends or, you know, on the yellow brick road or when a house is falling on your rival. It's helpful to know how to handle these tricky communication dynamics. I'm sorry. Now you've really planted a seed with this weird polyamorous version of the Wizard of Oz. (laughs) It's kind of both exciting and scary at the same time. Right. It changes like the moment when she sees color for the first time. It kind of, yeah. Oh, wow. So that's her like non-monogamy awakening. awakening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. And she's like, it doesn't have to be this way. I understand the relationship escalator. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love it. I love that. That's great. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, goodness. Okay. So looking at the way that mainstream media covers topics like non-monogamy and polyamory, the impression you would get is that a triad equals the same exact thing as polyamory. Polyamory always equals triads. Always. That's always what it is. It's, you know, sometimes it'll be like, yes, polyamory equals a quad or polyamory equals some kind of even larger polygon. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's polyamorous polygon. Yeah, definitely in mainstream media coverage, there's just not a lot of coverage of, you know, interconnecting dyads, which, as it turns out, are actually, you know, the most common way that people do practice multi-partner relationships. Um, So uh, we went back and looked at a study that Ryan Witherspoon did, Dr. Ryan Witherspoon, who's been on the show before. And uh, the study... We're not sure if it's been published yet, and this was not the main focus of the study, um, So, but we did just find this really interesting kind of little snippet of information in his study, which is that um, in surveying 864 polyamorous people, they, he found that only 12.6% of the participants identified as being in a triad and only 4.3% in a quad. And again, these are not necessarily... 
you know, 100% scientifically validated numbers that represent the entire community. But I think definitely of the people that I know, in my experience being in the non-monogamous community, it feels pretty representative of the people who are actually in a functioning ongoing triad or quad is a minority within the community. It has been definitely my impression. What would the two Mm. of you say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if you look, I would say it'd be interesting to find out how many people have ever been in a triad or a quad. I would bet that that would be significantly higher. Probably higher. Definitely. At least in my experience, having been in a few different triads and I guess one quad that it's like they, they tend to kind of come and go, not like they explode horribly, but just sort of as people's relationships change or people's life situations change, you may sort of end up in a triad situation and then not, as opposed to the media depiction, which is this like, we're three, three people who live together and have a kid together. It's kind of or what a the, threeple. Uh, yeah, threeple. I thought he was saying a threeple too. <laughs> <laughs> or that that polyamory means that like you all have to sleep together and you all have to like vet each other and say yes, okay, you're allowed in into the yes. fold. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like you form this little cabal that that yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. No. So uh, I want to pose a challenge to any research students out there listening that it would be interesting to see if somebody wanted to do um a survey of American, let's say American mainstream media coverage of, you know, profiles of polyamorous people. And I'm willing to bet you would probably find that like quads and especially triads are way overrepresented compared to the percentage that they actually take up in the community in reality. Yeah. I don't even think you need a study to know that that's true, but it'd be interesting to know the numbers of like by, by what margin, like how, how overrepresented. Yeah, but, but Professor Marsden, that was like a big one. And I, mm. I just remembered that. Yeah, besides the like, what is that one show that we always dunked on? That was oh, what, Polly Married and Dating? No, the, the <laughs> oh, episodic you show. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> oh, I was just talking about not even in fictional stuff, but in like news coverage. I see. You know, yeah, when, when they're they like, do an expose about whatever, this, yeah. this triad to talk to them about what it's like and, and do a survey of a day in the life of what they're like, you know, yeah. that. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so so part of the reason, though, why we wanted to do this episode is that, like, we still believe that kind of the the fundamental building block of human relationships are one-on-one relationships, Uh, that even when you're in a triad, like, still a lot of, for most of us, like, our deeper, more intimate, more nuanced conversations are between two people, or like resentments usually directed at one person rather than to a group. Oh, that happens too. But anyway, so that's why on this show, we tend to focus and we talk about communication as being between two people, even though that applies in you know larger settings like work settings or multi-partner relationships, things like that. Uh, but we do want it to be clear, though, that there are some people who, like there are some unique challenges for triads. Uh, or other group relationships. And there are some communication nuances that come up in those. And so that's why on this episode, we did want to talk about that. Because there are some people where that is their whole triad experience. I was actually just reading recently uh, from someone who surveyed a lot of different people in triads that actually a not insignificant number of those triads were people who don't even identify as non-monogamous or polyamorous who just kind of, this just sort of happened and it worked out. And when asked if this ever stopped working, would you seek out another triad? And they're like, no, I'm a monogamous person. This just kind of works. So hmm. that's that's also something that's that's interesting about it, that there is a lot of nuance within this world of... A lot of variation in experience. Of triads, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Uh, I just had a quick fun aside about the word thruple. We've talked about it before. We don't need to go into that. Uh, you know, we don't like it. It's an outsider word. Whatever. If you want to use it, though, it's fine. But in looking into it, I did want to look into the origins of the word couple. Uh, and the the thing I found out was that couple comes from the Latin root co, which means together, and then apere, which means to attach together, uh, which combined made the word copula, copula, or copula, as we would pronounce it like today. Copulate? Yes, it's the same oh, same roots as copulate. See, I oh, Emily's much sexier than I am because I heard copula and I went to linguistic terms. That's where uh, I went the copula to copula verb. Yeah. 
<laughs> I went to like grammar, yeah, linguistics. Uh, but yeah, but also copulate is from the same roots. Exactly. And then couple yeah. ended up coming out of that. So technically it just means like bonded together or tied together and doesn't in itself specify just two. Although obviously in, in modern English, that's what it means. But I just thought that was fun that uh, this came out of a discussion I saw online about the word dialogue. Like if you had a three-person conversation, would it be a trialogue? And the response <laughs> is, cute. yeah. And the response is basically being like, the die in dialogue doesn't mean two. So no. Mm. <laughs> and this what is another What does the die in dialogue mean? I, I think it means like a, a, a through conversation or something like oh. that. I forget what it was. Uh, I can. <laughs> yeah, Dedeker's looking it up. <laughs> We're all looking it up. Yeah. Yeah. Through to speak through. Is there to th- dia is through and log legain means to speak right so it's okay so it's not the same die as in dyad right exactly it's dia instead of the die yeah so it's a different yeah very cool yeah well done for looking that up (laughs) so yeah even though triads are not necessarily like the main thing that we actually see in polyamorous life we see usually like interconnecting dyads it still is a thing that's out there a thing that we wanted to discuss today and they can be awesome we personally have been in relationships that are triad relationships but they can look a ton of different ways um, in terms of gender identity living structure it can be everything from three men who all live together and they raise kids together to maybe a non-binary couple who live together and they both have the same partner and that partner comes over and they spend the night together or three solo poly individuals that maybe all date each other and then they occasionally all sleep together but they don't live together, maybe. Right, yeah, it can really cover a whole range. Absolutely, yeah. And there is this kind of media emphasis on triads, as we said before, and this, like, similarity to, like, a couple plus another person. Uh, And so that is kind of a trope that we've seen in media, but then also in people who are new to non-monogamy that they're going to, like, try to seek out finding a partner together and forcing this triad to happen, even though perhaps one or more of those people don't want to be in a triad. Yeah, it's definitely this weird thing of like, I think because triads end up getting a little bit overrepresented and also a little bit fetishized for sure. Yeah. I think yeah. in media, you know, I mean, especially the, you know, the classic, you know, male, man female, with female. two women, yeah. yeah, man with two bisexual women is just so fetishized, has been for so long. And it does become almost the way that i think about it is that triads seem like they're they're like the gateway drug into polyamory or non-monogamy you know usually for a couple it's like this idea of like okay if we can find our unicorn or find our third you know that's kind of the closest safest feeling thing that is the transition into potentially being non-monogamous well and a lot of people who are new to polyamory will try to date the same person. So maybe they're not like classifying themselves as a triad, but they're like, okay, well you get to date her and so do I, and maybe we'll get to have sex all together and that'll be really fun. But yeah. And that, that also somehow feels safer for them. Right. It's but, like somehow less threatening that way. And so exactly. I think a lot of people will try so hard to find this thing and ironically make it, make their sort of journey into polyamory and non-monogamy much more difficult because they're focusing on such a narrow version of what that can look like as opposed to kind of the whole broad spectrum of how non-monogamy can look. Yeah, I've definitely seen that for some people who end up in a little bit of maybe like a messy metamorph situation or they're having trouble kind of juggling the complex needs of having multiple partners some people thinking like this would be a lot easier if i could just get my other partners together you know just kind of close the loop as it were and then we can do everything together then it's super easy then we can do dates together and sex together and cooking together and then it's like i get to um you know maximize my time and maximize my efficiency by making everybody be in this relationship together and sure while that does work out sometimes usually it doesn't usually this kind of like orchestrating of of kind of trying to um i don't know force this group of people to be together i've seen tends to lead to a lot of resentment the thing that i always think about um whenever i see 
triads and quads or even bigger kind of more group style relationships or even polycules, just something to bear in mind. There's always going to be one person who's having less fun than everybody else. Hmm. Essentially, doesn't mean they're not having any fun at all. Not at all. It doesn't mean that it's doomed to failure, things like that. But it's just like, that's just the way things go. There's always someone who's going to be the person who's the least jazzed about this arrangement than everybody else. And that's important to, to think about, I think, when it comes to things like triads and quads, is that I think that's why it needs extra time, extra checking in, extra communication, you know, um, because it's like when those kind of things don't get noticed or don't get picked up on, that's what leads to resentment. And I think that's why things like especially like quads end up being so naturally some sometimes unstable. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is something that makes me think about analogies too. I always love trying to come up with analogies to help me understand things better. Yes, we know. <laughs> <laughs> and with this, like, if you think about it, um, and we'll get into this in the bonus when we talk about sociology research about triads, uh, not these kinds of triads, but a different sort of sociology triad. Uh, but is this idea that there is a natural tendency, say you have two different friends and you become very close with both of those friends, there is a tendency to want to bring those two friends together so that you can all hang out together, so that you can maximize you know, your, your time, that you get to see them both. Like that's a pretty natural thing and a fairly common thing. A lot of times that's how we meet other friends is because of mutual friends. Right. So like there is something very, very, I don't know, I guess natural and fundamental and, and essential and universal to that sort of behavior. But when it comes to friends, we tend to not force quite as many expectations on that as we do on to like, we need to date the same person. Um, right. So it's interesting. And, and again, we'll talk about this more in the bonus, but like in sociology terms, what we in polyamory would call a V where two people are dating the same person and maybe they chat every now and then, or they, you know, talk to each other in sociology terms, that is a triad, that there is a connection mm, there. Really? But in non-monogamy, we think of a triad, meaning that we're all having sex together generally, or that we're all romantic together or something. There's kind of like a little, the, the standard for being a triad is it involves more requirements, I guess, or it could. So mm, that's also something maybe just to kind of be aware of and uh, realize, I guess, that there can also be more breadth in what you consider to be a triad and, and maybe realize that the problem isn't itself connecting those people, but forcing it to be a certain type of connection. Yeah. So it's interesting talking about the, you know, kind of forcing something to be something versus kind of ending up there, because I do feel that in my personal experience, my triad and quad experiences that were positive were ones that did happen a little bit more organically. And I even realized earlier in the episode, Jace, that we've been in a quad where it's like, Jace, first you started dating one half of a particular couple. And then like years later, I started dating the other half of that couple but it was, but I never identified that as a quad, even though technically the shape of it was such. Well, but that's it, my question. Does it have to be a, if it's a quad, does that mean that every single person is engaged in relations together of a sexual nature, potentially, or romantic? Because you two were really just like two people dating each other. <laughs> I mean, there, there were another... some sexual situations yeah, also, but true. not like, I don't know. I don't make up the rules, Emily. No, I know, <laughs> well, but I, think, I, I think want you to tell me. That's kind, of our, <laughs> that's kind of our point here, though, right? Is that, yeah. is that it's not so black and white about what those rules are. Because I think that when the media talks about this or when people who are not polyamorous themselves think about a triad or a quad, to them, it's always they all live together. Like that's kind they of all live part together of the assumption. Or they all sleep together. Yeah, both both of those. I'd say they all live together. They all have sex with each other. That 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 kind of is the assumption or the association from outside. And for some people, it is that. But mm -hmm. for others, it's not. Like even if they do live together, for example, I was just reading a story recently about a triad where they all they live in a three bedroom apartment. So, like, they each have their own room, too. So, it's not like the image of they all pile into this same bed. They do sometimes, but yeah. that they don't have to. Like, it's not always that. Uh, and I think that they also date, you know, each date other people outside of that as well, or at least 
do sometimes. Right. So like that's polyphenolatus red. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> Something like that. Right. Right. So so anyway, I guess just just that, that it can look a lot of different ways. Um, and that the stuff we're talking about in this episode, some of it I think will be more relevant to people who do live together, because people do that. Um, but also uh, relevant to places where they don't. And we're going to kind of touch on those as we go through these different areas of conflict of how they can apply differently if they're sort of uh, more of like a couple with a third who doesn't live with them kind of dynamic versus everyone living together versus everyone separate, things like that. Yeah, I guess I'll just say it's sort of in a similar fashion to what we were talking about earlier, that when the three of us were engaged in a relationship, like it did feel really organic and like it just kind of came out of the relationships that we were in. But with the fourth person involved, uh, it was at at one point fine ish, but then it became not fine. Um, and I think that was an example of, you know, someone not feeling good or feeling less good about the situation as the other three. And that's just kind of interesting. And that did feel perhaps a little bit more forced than just the organic relationship between the three of us. Yeah, yeah. So like in our history, yeah, it was started out as a quad that then kind of collapsed into a triad um, for a little while. And yeah, I definitely think about that, that um, I think is definitely an example of how sometimes just group dynamics can create weird power dynamics. Yeah, it definitely it, did. Within any, with any kind of structure, whether that's a triad or a quad or larger or things like that, or even just a polycule that's not necessarily all co-connected or co-mingled, that there can definitely be a sense of, oh, but like everyone else in the group wants to do X, Y, and Z, and I don't feel like I have a choice or I don't feel empowered to speak up, or I'm just going to hold on to it and be resentful. You Until know? finally it does blow up, and Until then it, it really blows up. Blows you up. know, yeah. yeah. So, so that's definitely something to think about, I think, with all of these things. All right, so for this... ...meat of this episode, which is talking about the six most common areas of conflict in relationships and how those apply in three or more person relationships. But before we get to that, we're going to take a quick break to talk about how you can support this show, keep this content coming to all y'all for free out there. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy, or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. All right, so for this episode, we're mostly going to be referring to triads specifically, but the same concepts apply to quads or even larger group relationships or even dyads as well. Um, so we're going to go through kind of these six main categories or common areas of conflict 
once we get past um, four people with some of these conversations, the conversational dynamic can change quite a bit, understandably. Um, There is a reason why quite naturally groups larger than four at social gatherings almost always split off into smaller conversations um, unless some kind of unless it's some kind of structured discussion format um, that's why right now when you're having your like zoom birthday parties it doesn't feel like a real party because because you can't break off you yeah. have to look at each other you all have to be in this really weird 12 person conversation at the same time and you can't break off into tinier groups to have conversations so that's part of why things feel odd <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's only one of the reasons why things feel odd, but yes, that definitely is one of them. All right, so let's get into these six main categories of disagreement. Uh, This is identified by a Pew Research study, which is all about the reasons for disagreement in romantic relationship scale, or RDRRS. It's almost almost like radars, but it's like the opposite of radars. You're right, it is a little bit like radars. You could... So you have radar... To address your readers. There you yeah, go. There you, you go. got it. Okay. Good. <laughs> so I'm going to quickly point out the six, and then we're going to get into each of them specifically. So the first one is going to be inadequate attention or affection. The second, jealousy and infidelity. The third, chores and responsibilities. Oh, boy. We had a whole episode about that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sex is number four. Uh, control and dominance is number five. And then future plans and money is six. So let's go into the first one. All right. So inadequate attention or affection. So something that can happen in any relationship, but definitely polyamorous ones, uh, not showing enough love or affection, having lack of communication, and then one person maybe not paying enough attention to another person. So these can really be enhanced by comparisons made to other people in the relationship uh, it maybe your partner is dating someone new and you feel like there are comparisons being made between the two of you, whether or not those are internal comparisons or external comparisons. You could be feeling like your partner is more distant from you or like you're losing both people in the relationship if you are in a triad or that you're the third wheel. That's a tough one, especially in a triad relationship. Uh, and if there is a couple and like a couple plus a third dynamic, then you really definitely need to be careful about this one, both about maybe neglecting the new person or about being so excited, having so much NRE for the new person that you're not focusing on the existing relationship. Yeah, that one's interesting because it can it can go either way there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think it's worth mentioning that this study that came up with these six categories for disagreements uh, were, you know, these were with married couples, with heterosexual married couples is what this studied. So that's just kind of, we're using this as like a jumping off point and looking at how these things can change when you're non-monogamous and specifically when you're in a triad or a quad. So I think it's like this idea of not having adequate attention or affection affects all relationships that's a fairly universal thing but like within triads there's these little nuances for how that can show up or or extra i guess traps for how that might show up and you might not be aware of it especially with like nre being involved right because it's messing with all your brain chemicals yeah yeah so within this kind of category not being appreciated is another thing that can happen Mm. and again this is a big issue if there is this kind of couple like established couple that adds a third dynamic that's happening here and it is really important to address things like this before they become a big systemic issue within your relationship and something like radar that we've talked about ad nauseum on our show but it's great go back to episode 147 to learn all about radar again uh that's a really good way to kind of address this issue before it becomes blown up and out of control yeah i've definitely in my work i've come across an uh a surprisingly number of clients who who are a third or even seek out being a third or like want to date a couple and stuff like that. And maybe I'm just kind of biased by the people that end up coming to me, but it's like I see thirds often do a lot of emotional labor for the couples that they date. A yeah. lot. A lot. Mm. You know, a lot of being really intentional of like, okay, I'm gonna make sure everyone gets 
a relatively equal feeling amount of attention and communication. I'm going to try to be really intentional and I'm going to try to, you know, oh, if they're having issues, I'm going to try to give them space and be understanding or I'm going to help them talk through things. Um, And I mean, not that that's a bad thing, but it is something that if this is something that's like not acknowledged or it doesn't feel like there's a relatively equal exchange of emotional labor, that that can lead to resentment for sure. And I think definitely falls under this category of feeling like there's not enough affection or not enough appreciation. Yeah. So that leads us into the next category of conflict in this Reuters scale, (laughs) which is jealousy and infidelity. So in traditionally monogamous relationships, this could include things like talking to an ex-partner, feeling possessive, feeling jealous of what happened in past relationships. For non-monogamous relationships, the jealousy is more likely to show up earlier on, often between other members of the triad. You know, I've definitely seen that as a triad's kind of getting settled and trying to figure out how they work, you know, in kind of that unknown phase of not being sure how these relationships are all going to play out, you know, because of course it's like we all know that that it's probably unlikely that it's going to be just like perfectly equal amounts of like attention and affection and attachment between all three legs of the triangle, but it's that kind of early phase of figuring that out that that can definitely bring up a lot of feelings of jealousy of who's getting more attention, who's getting more affection, who's, you know, I mean, it goes so hand in hand with that first uh, item on the scale about also feeling a lack of affection and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. For more established triads, jealousy can come up in regards to feeling left out of certain situations, um, but it may less be less likely to come from a place of being worried that you'll be abandoned or not loved. But again, every single situation is different, especially when it comes to jealousy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's also one of those things within polyamory, jealousy carries this extra stigma of like, if I'm feeling jealous, I must be doing something wrong. I'm a bad polyamorous person. Right. And we can sometimes not acknowledge that that's coming from something. Like maybe it is from not feeling appreciated enough. Maybe it's that there's some need or desire of mine that's not being met. Something like that. Right. And so things like radar, you know, ways to communicate about that before that becomes so bad that it's your experience is awful is, is really important um, to kind of get to the root of like, what's making you feel those things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then within this jealousy and infidelity category, one of the topics of disagreement that they mentioned were about whose friends do we hang around more? And I thought this one was, was interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That it's included in the jealousy and infidelity category. And I guess I could see it from like jealousy of like, we get to hang out with all your friends, but you never want to come hang out with my friends. And I could just see that like that. It's like, Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I realized that with non-monogamy, this could also come up in terms of how out you are or how extroverted you are. So the example of like outness is say you're in a triad where one person or two people are very much like out at work. They're out to to everyone they know. And so they can be out and proud and all hold hands together and be social. But you don't feel like you can bring them around your friend group because you're not as out. And you know that they're going to act that way and that's going to potentially compromise your job or your safety or at least just not be something you're comfortable with. So that's kind of an extra layer that can add to making sure that, you know, we're able to all be with our friend groups or, you know, be around our coworkers and feel comfortable and safe still being in this relationship. So just kind of an extra thing to consider. So now we're getting into chores and responsibilities. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is uh, (laughs) one near and dear to our hearts. Uh, So things like housekeeping, chores, who does more work, sharing responsibilities, things like that. And this dynamic can really change uh, with a living situation. If you are all living together, then that's one thing. But if you are like two people living together and one person does not live full-time with the others, they have their own like home responsibilities that they have to take care of. It's probably unfair to have them try to come in and like need to share equal responsibility with everyone else. Right. Like equal responsibility in your house while also having their own house. Yeah. 
Yeah, so communication is a really big thing here uh, with with anyone involved in any sort of chore dynamic. And we did have an episode fairly recently on this, so go back and listen to that for sure. Um, but childcare, that's a big thing. There are these like typical sort of unicorn hunting situations where the third is exploited for free childcare, and that is a shitty situation to get in. That's a shitty situation to put someone else in, and it doesn't happen all the time, but if it is happening, if you're seeing that happening within your relationship, then maybe maybe think about that. Maybe sit there and have a long, hard think. Yeah, I've definitely seen some some couples erring on the side of unicorn hunting, I think sometimes out of a place of desperation of like, having another adult would be great, <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> just yeah. in general, which is true. It is true. But yeah, I think this dynamic definitely really changes depending on what your living situation is going to be. And really important to talk about this stuff, I think, even before y'all live together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what the expectations are and just establishing good communication from the beginning is really vital to a healthy relationship in general. But it can hopefully help uh, sort of get these big, hard decisions and talks out of the way. And so, okay, another thing that goes sort of in the responsibility category rather than the chore category is things like not not showing up when one is supposed to or being on time or being flaky, things like that. This is more related to the responsibility category. And we talked about this as a common example of a reoccurring fight that may happen in our episode 234. Wow, that's amazing how long ago that was, (laughs) Uh, which was Repair Shop, our Repair Shop episode. So go back and check that out. But, you know, not everybody is going to be punctual. There's not just one right way of being on time or you know, being timely in general maybe isn't necessarily like better than than sort of going with the flow and being spontaneous and enjoying yourself. But, you know, if you do have big differences between yourself and your partner or partners, then that is something to think about, something to talk about with them. Because if it is very, very important to another person that like, hey, you you follow through with your commitments, you show up on time to things or that we can all like go to something together and that I'll know that you're going to be there or be on time, then yeah, that's yet another thing to have to talk about and communicate about. It's, I actually think that there's an interesting dynamic that happens that can happen with three person groups. And I'm thinking specifically of, you know, we have a lot of experience figuring out how to communicate with three people together about, that's true. you, you know, communicating very frequently about things that involve, our money and our time and our commitments. And even if we're not all in a romantic or sexual relationship that like, we do have a lot of experience in that way. And I actually think that there's certain things like when a triad is functioning well, especially if it's kind of stabilized that there's actually a lot of these problems that I think a triad can help with. And Hmm. so something like this with like timeliness where if it's just you and one other person and they're always late and that really irks you, you know, that, that can be a recurring fight. Like we talked about before in the, in the episode 234. But if there's three people and there's one person who's always late, there can sometimes be this sense of, Hey, we're the two who are on time. So, you know, okay, well, they're going to be late, but like, it's, we're here to kind of support each other in that. So it's less like I'm here alone fuming that I'm, frustrated about that. Uh, So anyway, there's just kind of some interesting dynamics that can change those things. Or if there's the one person who's always like 15 minutes early, like to them, that's on time, that of the other two, they might help each other to be like, hey, 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 we got to remember that they're always 15 minutes early. So let's go be sure and we, you know, be sure that we do that too, to try to not have them feeling alone. Yeah, I I have to say, and again, I want to, I want to zoom this out and take this out of just the realm of timeliness or not, because it applies to so many other things. But I I do think um, I can't tell the number of times that I've said to Jace, like, thank God there's three of us on this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> You know, yeah. thank God there's three of us, you know, making these decisions. It, it makes it hard. You know, of course, when you add more people to a decision making process, that decision making process tends to then expand accordingly. But I, I, I don't know, I do feel there there really is something kind of magical sometimes about um, having three people 
making decisions or figuring these things out or running a business in this way, um, or could be running a household or figuring out parenting or stuff like that. That again, it's like, if, if there's no toxic dynamics there and we mm-hmm. figured out a way that works for us, that, that it really can help, I think, prevent a lot of, um, you know, certain kind of cyclical recurring dynamics that may happen between couples with particular conversations, you know, just having kind of like three different perspectives, even though it can make things a little bit more complex. I think in my experience, at least when it comes to like running a podcast or running this business, I think has really, really helped us immensely. Yeah, I agree. Well done us. (laughs) Well well done. Yeah. And it's actually, what's funny is researching this episode and thinking about the three of us and stuff has kind of made me think more about like, gosh, triad relationship actually sounds amazing. Again, assuming that it's, that it's functioning well and that people are comfortable with it and that it has some like flexibility to it, that it's not trying to like rigidly be one thing. But when I think about how over the years of doing this show, how often like one of the three of us will either be super overwhelmed or feeling just like depressed and down and hard on ourselves or is like letting criticism get to them or whatever. And that the other two are there to help, you know, pick them up and support them or take on some extra burden because they're really overwhelmed in a way that when it's just two people, that can be harder to do because there's just one of you trying to hold up the other. And I've had that experience with just one other person where we kind of take turns like dragging each other down, not intentionally, Mm. but you know, you can get kind of caught in that cycle. And I find with three, it's like you just have a little more leverage (laughs) to kind of help each other out. Yeah, it is a magical number for sure. <laughs> okay, category number four, sex. Sex. Let's I'm trying to make it a two-syllable word. Sex. <laughs> sex. Add some H's in the middle sex. there. Yeah. Sex, yeah. Uh, okay, so this includes things like, you know, one person wanting sex more than someone else, or how frequent we have sex, or what types of sexual acts we do, things like that. So, at its best, a triad involves op- could awesome, involve. awesome, well, could involve awesome group sex as well as not always having to be in a group, uh, and sort of a variety of sexual acts with your different partners, right? This could be anything from one partner having a much higher sex drive, and they could be then getting their needs met by the combined efforts of the two different partners, (laughs) and each of those partners only have to have sex half as often as the one who wants to have it all the time, right? It could look something like that, or it could be about two of the people exploring a certain kink together that the other might dabble with a little bit, but isn't as into as the other two. But what I'm getting at is not saying like a triad is good if everyone's having lots of sex. I don't mean that at all. But what I mean is when there's sort of freedom to get your sexual needs met and that the triad is helping that rather than being something that's like, gosh, I feel like I'm now forced to have sex twice as often because there's two people wanting it from me, <laughs> right? Mm. Or, or now I'm forced to only have group sex. Exactly, mm. yeah. You know? But I don't get that one-on-one intimacy that I also like, yeah. And I will say, as fun as group sex is, everyone reaches a point of being sick of it. <laughs> maybe that's, <laughs> that's, true. Maybe like, that's a know, controversial <laughs> opinion. That's a controversial <laughs> opinion. I've just, I've just seen and also experienced that it's fun. Threesomes are fun. Moresomes are fun. Orages are fun. But if that's the only thing you get access to, to in a particular relationship at a certain point um it gets just a little exhausting and dehydrating yeah. really <laughs> dehydrating <laughs> love it <laughs> yeah i mean but definitely um i think because there is this like it's like in a triad there's in, there's inherently that kind of wide range of options that could be boiled down to either just having the opportunity for group sex, everybody together, or having one-on-one sex with multiple people, that means that it is also right for there potentially be conflict around this, right? I mean, like, we think we've all heard of like the typical kind of nearsighted unicorn hunter kind of rule of, well, we're only allowed to all have sex all together, you know, and the main couple can have sex together, but the third is only allowed to be brought in for threesomes and there's no one-on-one sex or, and maybe even during the group sex you have to sit in the corner and watch (laughs) well some people could be into that some people could be very excited by that you know um but stuff like that that this is also an area that's important to 
feel comfortable talking about and communicating about in a really proactive way. Now, what's interesting is that according to this, you know, this Pew Research study that kind of put all this information together, under the sex category, they also categorize conflict around telling private information about your relationship to others, which is really, really interesting. And that that's in the sex category. Yeah. But I, get it. I think I get it. Mm-hmm. I think I understand what they're getting at because, yeah, some people are like, no, that's our private information. We don't talk to our friends about that. We don't talk to potentially other partners outside of the triad about it. Right. Yeah. Yes. And then other yeah. people just don't care. It's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that this is a common area of conflict, especially if all three people in a triad don't live together and maybe two of them do live together. You know, like the classic kind of T-shaped relationship and an established couple that lives together and then a third. Uh, When people complain about couple privilege, this is often one of the examples. Um, Mm -hmm. It's assumed that the established couple, they can share everything with each other. They can keep each other, and, but but also um, they can insulate their relationship to be a little bit more secret, you know, and kind of keep the third always on the outside. But any information about the third that comes in gets to be shared between the two of them. Um, or an established partner might think that they're free to share anything about their life together with whoever when one partner doesn't feel okay with that. Um, you know, I mean, this also gets into, this is also related to conflict around outness and just who feels comfortable talking about the status of the relationship or what kind of sex they have or how often or, or when or things like that. I feel like this also starts to get into the territory of, um, I know there's always kind of an ongoing discussion around uh, disclosing sexual health status and always, I think, some some discussion and controversy around what's the happy medium between protecting someone's privacy and protecting someone's privacy about their health, Mm -hmm. while at the same time being able to convey enough information so people can make informed decisions to protect their health as well. I think it starts to get into that. Yeah. So it seems like with all of these, it's like something to not just assume you're all on the same page and not just assume that it's going to stay the same. Yeah. Right. have very explicit communication about it and... If that communication changes or if you're like, hey, actually, I'm not comfortable with this, that you speak about that. Right. Yeah. So having something regularly to check in on that, because it might be something where... Like a radar. Like a radar. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Because it might be something you're not comfortable with at one point and then you become more comfortable. You know, so that's good to address or the opposite, right? Yeah. Okay. Next category. Number five is control and dominance. Whoa. So th- yeah, what a what an odd... I was not expecting that to be a category, I but, but I get it. Well, it feels like control and dominance, that feels like that's a big umbrella category around all of these things of like, if someone's trying to dominate and impose their will on what they want for any of these categories, that's going to be an issue, right? Yeah, like we often yeah. refer to it as like power imbalances or power dynamics. Mm. I think that's kind of what they're going for with this. So in their study, this included disagreements over things like who's in control and just dominance in general. And one of the things they put in there is about what to wear, which I was huh. like, whoa, what? whoa, like, like saying, like, I like you in this or I like you looking a certain way or right. What? Or like, or I don't want like you wearing that Im- type of thing. Or, or you're whoa. embarrassing to me if you go out wearing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was yeah. just I like, yikes, what if this wasn't a category for disagreement, but just a like deal breaker, people? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, that's this is. I do want to be clear when we're talking about control and dominance, we're not talking about that within the context of, uh, y- you know, a sub, like a not, not in a consensually sexy of, way, right? We're not talking about yeah. that sort of thing because these can all be dynamics in that, uh, but but more if these are part of your normal life. And yeah. so, with the what to wear thing, I was like, okay, that just seems really extreme i'm like what are you talking about and i think that maybe the closest analog would be about outness and pda and things like that that it's not so much about like i'm going to control how you are but more i might have a certain way of being and going about relationships that you might not be comfortable with and am i the one who's you know, dominant and kind of imposing that, like, we've got to have all this PDA or that we can't Mm. ever because that's the way I want it. And you're just accepting that even though you're not as comfortable with it. So we'll talk about this uh, a little bit with the sociology triad theory 
Uh, but one thing it mentioned uh, that some of the research talks about is this tendency within triads where if one person is more dominant, that the other two will sort of form a coalition to kind of empower themselves to balance that that one who's more in power. And similarly, if there's one party of the three who's kind of weaker, you know, socially or, or power wise or, or however, right, that both of the people with more power will seek out coalitions with that person and again, try to balance it. So this is, again, hmm. one of those places where I feel like the triad could actually be a really helpful thing for this kind of dynamic that you don't get in just a dyad. Right. Where if you have just kind of a naturally more like dominant personality and a more submissive one, that that's a real hard thing to to even out sometimes in a dyad. But in a triad, you might have some more resources because that other person might be able to kind of help support and lift that up to balance it out. Yeah, I feel like that definitely comes up in our little emotional business running triad amongst the three of us of like mm-hmm. when some of us... Um, myself become a little too dominant Hmm. and controlling and too attached to particular things Uh that generally it's good to have the two of you that help balance that out. Well, and I I think, think, I mean, Jace is definitely the one who's, who feels overwhelmed. I think quite a lot slash it's like, I'm taking on too much and we're like, okay, let's, let's help with that. And then I'm the one who like cries all the time. And so you help me with that. So <laughs> right, you cry. And yeah. We definitely rush into to, to yeah, comfort. And... Yes. And to like lift up my cryingness. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so well, now all it... you listeners know our yeah. dynamic. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I think it all varies too. Cause there's times mm-hmm. where each of the three of us has been just so overwhelmed or feeling down yeah. or whatever. And, and it can switch yeah, around, which is helps. nice. Yeah. Yeah, it helps. So let's move on to the last area on this scale, which is future plans and money. So that includes things like goals for your life, either personal goals or relationship goals, plans that you have in the future, talking about children or making a family or things like that. Um, On the one hand, we have definitely seen so, so many triads that rush into making these future plans Mm. way, way, way before they've established any kind of steady rhythm in the relationship, establish whether or not we're actually compatible, whether or not we actually want the same thing. I mean, couples do this too, so no surprises there for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I think that when it comes to triads, because they're so fetishized and they are in reality fa- fairly rare, and I also feel like people who are seeking a triad have a sense of how rare and how difficult it is to find somebody or multiple people for a triad that there often is this sense of the first person that comes along. Oh my God, we need to take this opportunity. Like the window's going to close. We need to grab this person and escalate with them, start talking about having babies, start talking about moving in, you know, because, because this is not going to come along again. You know, Um, this happens all the time. Again, happens in dyadic relationships too. And definitely when you're in our NRE with somebody, or if you're trying to realize a very specific vision for yourself or your polyamorous relationships, of course, it's great to enjoy that NRE and it's great to enjoy like all the wonderful benefits that a triad can bring. But again, as we always say, don't sign anything in the first year of being an NRE with somebody. Don't sign anything. Don't sign a lease. Don't sign an adoption contract. Don't sign a shared cell phone plan. Don't sign a, what else can you sign? I don't know. Buy an animal together. together. A bank account. Don't, don't don't sign adoption papers on a dog. Don't and it's not to say that any of those are bad things. It's just wait, y'all. Just take your time. Just don't make any major life decisions if you can help it while in the throes of NRE. You know, don't invite your third to move in with you within a month. You know, just it's okay. I promise you it's okay. I promise you it's okay. I'm shaking my hands. I cannot promise you hard enough that it's going to be okay to take your time. No, just sorry. Those feelings are, are have happened definitely I, probably oh, yeah. to all of us or maybe, maybe Dedeker, you're like so pragmatic that you're like, I, this has never happened to me. I've never signed anything in the first oh, year. No, she's done these. She's done I mean, Jason and I moved oh, in. Oh, so bad. I've been so bad at this. of meeting each other. Yeah. So yeah. you like just barely squeaked in there. <laughs> yeah, just, um, yeah, just barely. But then I we also got ever, cats. I don't think I've ever done this with a triad. Although 
Did we start multi-amory in the first year? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, we got okay. real lucky well, on that. We, we got, got really well, lucky. But we didn't know. But, yeah, but we weren't, like, throwing down major money or, or getting into any kind of contracts. No, it was just, just little, like, let's record a, a podcast baby, and have a talk. Like, we were just, like, little podcast. baby podcasters. Yeah. Okay, so that's okay. Yeah, that's okay, sure. then. Right. <laughs> we willed this thing to be what it is today. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, definitely in my dyadic relationships in the past have been real bad about this. Mm-hmm. And it's not gone good. Yep. It has not gone good. Yep. Yeah. No. Uh, and then, okay, the, the next thing in this category about future plans and money is the money part, right? So questions like who pays for stuff or someone using all of someone else's money or things like that. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> yeah. So, so for this one, it, it really, and we talked about this in previous episodes about managing money as well, but just there's a lot to factor into this. It's not just make it all equal. It also depends on each person's earning potential and their life choices, as well as their like desired lifestyle and the cost of that. Like there's a lot of factors to go into this. So it's too much to try to, to cover all that again right now, but some good resources to look at for this are actually resources for roommates negotiating bills and expenses. Uh, Cause a lot of the common conversations that might come up also would come up in that same situation, right? Where you're sharing the expenses for the place you live. Um, so, you know, just, just keep all that in mind. And then whenever possible, and I recommend this for dyads as well as triads or quads, is whenever possible, keep as much of your finances separate as possible. And I know this is a controversial opinion. Or, a lot of people- Or at least partly separate. At least partly separate. But like, if you're going to join finances together, like open a bank account together, do it for a reason, like have it be intentional. Maybe it's like most of my money goes into my own account and into this shared account is where we specifically put a certain amount of money that we've agreed upon beforehand for our shared expenses. But it's not just like everything goes in there. So then, you know, when I go buy a new, you know, 4K TV Suddenly, I've spent all of our money on that when it's really something that I'm excited about. You know, it's just so as much as possible, just keep that in mind and don't rush into sharing finances more than you absolutely need to. Um, and, you know, and maybe ideally find someone who is like a financial advisor who's poly friendly, look up on like the poly professionals or the kinkaware professionals list and try to find financial advisors or accountants or like someone to or go help hit you up, go hit up our guest Hadassah Damien yes. yep. at her site because she's also polyamory friendly absolutely yeah yeah all righty finally let's get into some extra concerns that we didn't talk about here so kind of the catch-all that didn't end sure. up on the redurs. Redurs. Yeah. yeah, I guess things redurs. that are things that are maybe more logistical concerns or more external factors and not just about disagreements within the relationship. So first of these I wanted to bring up is just having a conversation with three people is different than with two. And so when it comes to doing something like a radar with three people, I would actually recommend if you're in a triad that you do your radars as twos, but you could also do one as the three. Like for example, that's with, a lot of radaring. It does. It does feel like a lot of radars. But when pe- like a triad is another relationship you're adding, like yeah, it's not. It is. Yeah. It, it takes extra care. It's you know, it's one of those real hardcore gigapets that when it dies, it's dead forever. <laughs> so you really gotta pay Jeez. attention. Whoa, Chase. Gosh, talk about metaphors. Yeah. I was not expecting that. Wait, gigabits are like you know, when we were kids. Yeah. That's yeah. not a thing anymore. It's not a thing now. Yeah. Sorry None for of your, the young, like, kid, young kids olds. think that's so silly. Yeah, 20-year-olds yeah. out there. They're not impressed by gigabits or Tamagotchis at all. Yeah, yeah, no idea what that is. Okay. Okay, well, but, but I think, though, with things like a relationship check-in or a radar, at least the way that we've tried to design our formula, you know, the radar, is to try to make it flexible enough that you could do try something like okay we have kind of the big beefy radar all three of us where we stay very formal and we go through all of the different categories especially if you're living together you know we talk about all those things and then maybe we have our little individual check-ins with each dyad that are maybe a little bit more informal or a little bit more casual or vice versa you know it could Mm -hmm. be we have these more structured check-in conversations with each of the dyads and then we have a weekly ritual of friday nights we have dinner and just have a little like, general check-in you know but but i do think yeah. that those conversations are a good opportunity for um 
you know, again, it's like if someone's just more inclined to not want to bring things up or be more quiet, that actually kind of having three people in the conversation can help with that if yeah. the two other people are at least savvy and, and aware of those dynamics. Hey, you should speak up a little bit more. Yeah, or, or like, like, hey, what, what, do, you, you what do you think? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's just the two of us talking and we haven't heard anything from you. Yeah, absolutely. That And that's, yeah, that's what I wanted to emphasize as well. So I'm glad you brought that up of just like with three, it can also be easy for one person to just sort of disappear into the background mm-hmm. on certain conversations. So really like be aware of that. Make sure everyone's like, Especially if the and... other two really enjoy dominating the conversation. Yeah, and I'm looking like at both of when, you. When, when we're in a business meeting and I'm being I too alpha and Jason and I are butting heads and then suddenly I'm just like, Emily, what do you think? <laughs> And I'm like, whoa, okay. okay. Emily, say something. It's time for me to be the mediator again. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our last meeting went quite, it was quite chill. It was good. It was great. Yeah. It was good. We've, yeah. got, we've gotten a lot better yeah. over the years. Yeah. It's, it's so much practice. six years, but here we are. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, the next one is traveling together or going on dates with all three. And again, depending on how out you are, this is really going to be a big thing. And I mm-hmm. will, I'm sorry, quick story. Just, I remember when I was out with my partner who I live with when we were still dating other people and we were out with this lovely woman that both of us were dating. And I sat at the bar with that woman while he was getting us drinks. And this guy comes over to us and is like, hey, ladies, and like getting all in and stuff. And then as soon as Josh walked over, he was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Whoa. Sorry, man. Sorry. And like ran away. And I'm like, really? This is another freaking like showing that, you know, women relationships are or oh, yeah, are not as big of a deal as we could, between men. We could rant about women. that for hours. Honestly, I, I yeah. could go off on a whole thing about how you know, just the presence of a man mm-hmm. unfortunately does more for like protecting you from weird other men <sighs> yeah. than just like yourself. It drives me wild. Um, yeah. And I'm going to stuff down that anger for another day. No, it's all okay. good. But save, yeah, save but, uh, one, yeah. <laughs> but when you are going on dates with all three people, yeah, that's it, it's an interesting kind of consideration to think about whether or not that's even going to happen, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not you're going to always just go out together or you still have two person dates stuff like that yeah and, and like and traveling together right just the logistics that a lot of places yeah. will offer packages for two that they don't offer for three yeah. whether that's for valentine's day or, or like travel like you were saying emily that it's there's like your interpersonal dynamics but there's also just the fact that the world is not accommodating for the most part mm-hmm. it yeah, is not definitely. at all and marriage still only allowed between two people hmm. yeah well i mean that's you know same logistics that that everybody in a in a multi-partner relationship has to grapple with uh maybe not everybody but certain people you know of just that that we're still in the world that's kind of based on offering a lot of legal rights and privileges to uh the singular state sanctioned relationship which yep. is the monogamously married couple um so, and who knows how or if that's going to change necessarily. I doubt that that's going to change to the tune of like letting triads marry necessarily. Cause I think from a legal and logistical standpoint, it would just be too complicated. Well, um, you can create an LLC like we have, but that still doesn't get you anywhere near the right. Still doesn't get to, you. No, yeah. you're yeah. absolutely correct. Yeah. 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 So that's a tough one. Uh, I don't know. I mean, but we can also maybe hope and um, maybe kind of push for just single people in general getting more access to these rights. Maybe we don't base this on needing to be in the state sanctioned relationship, perhaps. Yeah. But I'll also stuff down that anger for another day. Uh, yeah, same thing connected to all that, you know, child custody often only granted to two people. Again, you know, we're seeing exceptions happen, some certain legal precedents being set in different countries and in different states and things like that. But that's still something to bear in mind that, you know, we definitely have seen some triads who um, raise kids together. Either they have a child together or, you know, the, uh, you know, a third person who kind of comes into the relationship becomes an adoptive parent in some kind of way, at least functionally. Um, but we're still still having to fight that battle and try to figure out, you know, how do we make uh, parenting work outside of just the dyad? And that's definitely something to go and talk to legal counsel about, you know, like we had Diana Adams on the show a long time ago. Her website has a lot of resources for that as well, free resources as well. 
Um, so, but definitely something to look into, like, what are your legal options based on where you live and things like that? Cause it's, it's real complicated. So yeah, can't, can't deny that. Absolutely. And finally, just general power dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. I, Dedeker's I always the alpha. So, <laughs> you know, there's the power God dynamic. Bless it. No, no, but it, just in general. Yeah. What it, it, and I think it's even more complicated potentially if there is an established couple bringing a third in and the power dynamics that are just kind of inherently there. Yeah. Well, I think what I'm seeing more and more of as polyamory and non-monogamy is starting to creep into the mainstream a little bit more, and especially couples who are thinking of opening up and thinking about triads or finding a unicorn or something like that are starting to read more of the material, get more savvy to the fact that unicorn hunter is a derogatory term. There's all these kind of bad behaviors that you want to avoid. And unfortunately, I think that's kind of lulled a lot of people into this false sense of security of, oh, no, 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 we'd be really good to this third person. Of course, we want them to have an equal share in the relationship. No, we'd be really, really nice to them and, and really respectful of them and like make sure everything's really consensual. And it's like, you can be really nice and and really respectful to a person and there can still be a power dynamic Absolutely. that's <laughs> making it difficult to actually consent fully and, and making it difficult for them to uh, be a full equal decision maker about what goes on in the relationship, you know? So, so that's all. And I, I've definitely seen this start to play out among people, you know, among couples who think that they're just like, they are being super respectful and doing everything nice, but still not cognizant of the fact that like, there's a power differential when it comes to money or establishment or outness or work or things like that. So just, just, Y'all just check yourself before you wreck yourself, (laughs) I guess, when it comes to um, what power dynamics may potentially be in your relationships. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go on and record a bonus episode where we're going to talk a little bit more about this field of triad research in sociology. Uh, And if you are a patron, we would love for you to join us for that conversation because we're going to do some good nerding out. And uh, we're also, we're trying something new. Uh, On the day that this episode comes out, we're doing a poll on our Instagram because we want to know what experience our listeners, all of you, have had with triads. Uh, I'm just really curious about it. So we're going to do a poll on our Instagram story. You can check that out on our Instagram at multiamory underscore podcast. The best place to share your thoughts about this episode and discuss with other listeners is in this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And you can email us at info at multiamory.com. Multiamory is created and produced by Emily Matlack, Dedeker Winston, and me, Jace Lindgren. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowark and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.